0: Chapter 1 of Storky & Co. More Stories This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Recording by Tim Bulkley of BigBible.org Storky & Co. More Stories by Rudyard Kipling Chapter 1 Storky now they have taken Kinmont Willie against the peace of the border tide. And they forgot that the bald Buchluch was keeper here on the Scottish side. Kinmont Willie. And then De vitry said they were beastly funks not to help, and I said they were too many chaps in it. To suit us. Besides, there's bound to be a mess somewhere or other, with old De vitry in charge. Wasn't I right? White. and anyhow it's a silly business I bung through what'll they do with the beastly cows when they've got em you can milk a cow if she'll stand still that's all right you're a pig beetle no I ain't but what's the sense of driving a lot of cows up from the burrows to to where is it There, trying to drive them to to his barnyard at the top of the hill the empty one where we smoked last Tuesday it's a revenge. Vidley chivied DeVitre twice last week for riding his ponies on the burrows, and DeVitre is going to lift as many of old Bidley's cattle as he can and plant them up the hill. He'll muck it, though, with Parsons, Orrin, and Howlett helping. They'll only yell and shout and bunk if they see Vidley. We might have managed it, said McTurk, slowly, turning up his coat-collar against the rain that swept over the burrows his hair was of the dark mahogany red that goes with a certain temperament. "'We should,' Corcoran replied with equal confidence. "'But they've gone into it as if it was a sort of spridger hunt.' "'I've never done any cattle-lifting, but it seems to me that one might just as well be stalky about a thing as not.' Smoking vapours of the Atlantic drove low in pearly-grey wreaths above the boys' heads. Out of the mist to windward, beyond the grey loom of the pebble ridge, came an unceasing roar of the sea, rising and falling in mile-long rollers. To leeward a few stray ponies and cattle. The property of northern Potwallopers, and the playthings of the boys in their leisure hours, showed through the haze. Beyond blotted out lay Appledore, and the flats of her pool, where the Tor and the Torridge join they halted by the cattle-gate, which marks the limit of cultivation, where Northam Hill comes down to the burrows. Beetle, shock-haired and bespectacled, drew his nose pensively to and fro along the wet top-bar. McTurk shifted from one foot to the other, watching the water drain into either print, while Corcoran whistled through his teeth as he leaned against the sod-bank, peering into the mist. A grown or sane person might have called the weather vile, but the boys of the college had not yet learned the national interest in climate. It was a little damp to be sure, but it was always damp in Easter term, and—this was an article of faith Sea wet could not give one a cold under any circumstances. Mackintoshes were excellent things to go to church in, but crippling if one had to run at short notice across heavy country, so they waited serenely in the downpour, clad as their mothers would not have cared to see. say, said Beatle, wiping his spectacles for the twentieth time, "'if we weren't going to help De Vitre, what are we here for?' "'We're going to watch, of course. I wish to goodness they'd hurry up.' "'It's an awful business, driving cattle, in the open country,' said McTurk, who, as the son of an Irish baronet, knew something of these operations. "'They'll have to run half over the burrows after them.' Suppose they're riding Vidley's ponies? To be traced, sure to be. He's a dab on a horse. Listen, what a filthy row they're making. They'll be heard for miles. The thick air filled with whoops and shouts, cries, words of command, the rattle of broken golf clubs, and the clatter of hoofs. Three cows, with their calves, came up to the cattle gate at an indignant milch canter, followed by four heifers and some bullocks. A fat and freckled youth of fifteen trotted behind them, riding barebacked and brandishing a hedge stake. De Vitre, up to a certain point, was an inventive youth with a passion for horse exercise that the northern commoners did not encourage. Farmer Vidley had once called him a thief for the small matter of chasing cows across the burrows. And the insult rankled. Hence the raid. Come on! He cried over his shoulder, Open the gate, Corcoran, or they'll all cut back again. We've had no end of bother to get em. Oh, won't old Vidley be wild?" Three boys and foot ran up, shooing the cattle in excited amateur fashion, till they headed into the narrow high bank Devonshire Lane that led up the hill. Come on, Corcoran, it's no end of a lark, pleaded De Vitre, but Corcoran shook his head. The raid had been presented to him after dinner that day as a completed scheme in which he might by favour play a minor part and arthur lane corcoran number 104 did not care for lieutenances you'll be collared he cried as he shut the gate parsons and orrin are no good in a row you'll be collared for sure as a gun de vitre you're a beastly funk the speaker was already hidden by the mist "'Hang it all,' said McTurk. "'It's about the first time we've ever had a cattle lift at the call. "'Let's—' "'Not march. Keep your eye on Uncle,' said Corcoran firmly. His word was law in matters like these. Experience had taught them that, if they manoeuvred without Corcoran, they fell into trouble. "'You're jealous because you didn't think of it first, said Beetle, and Corcoran kicked him three times, slowly. Neither he nor Beetle changing a muscle the while. No, I ain't. But it isn't stalky enough for me." Stalky, in the school vocabulary, meant clever, well-considered, and wily, as applied to a plan of action, and stalkiness was the one virtue Corcoran toiled after. "'Same thing,' said McTurk. "'You think you're the only stalky chap in the coal?' Corcoran kicked him as he had kicked Beetle, and, even as Beetle, McTurk took not the faintest notice by the etiquette of their three-year-old friendship. This was no more than formal notice of dissent from a proposition. They haven't thrown out any pickets! Not for nothing did the school prepare boys for Sandhurst. They ought to do that, even for apples. Toey's barnyard may be full of people, for all they know. "'Twasn't last week," said Beetle, "'when we smoked in that cart-shed place. It's a mile from the house, too!" Up went one of Cochrane's light eyebrows oh beetle i am so tired of kicking you does that mean it's empty now they ought to have sent one fellow ahead to look they are simply bound to be collared and where are they bunk to if they have to run for it parsons has only been here two terms he don't know the lie of the country Orrin's a fat ass, and howlett bunks from a governor vernacular for a native of devon engaged in agricultural pursuits far as he can see one. De Vitre is the only decent chap in the lot, and—and I put him up to try and to his farmyard. "'Well, keep your hair on,' said Beetle. "'What are we going to do? It's rather damp here.' "'Let's think a bit,' Corcoran whistled between his teeth, and presently broke into a swift, short double-shuffle. "'We'll go straight up and see what happens to him. Cut across the fields, and lie up in the hedge, where the lane comes in by the barn where we found the dead hedgehog last term. Come on!" He scrambled over the earth bank, and dropped into the rain-soaked plough. It was a stiff rise to the brow of the hill, where Toohey's outbound stood. The boys took no account of stiles or footpaths, crossing field after field diagonally, and where they found a hedge bursting through it like beagles. The lane lay on their right flank, and they heard much lowing and shouting from that direction. "'Well, if he isn't collared,' said McTurk kicking off a few pounds of loam against the gate-post, he jolly well ought to be. "'We'll be collared too, if you go with your nose up like that. Duck, you ass, and come along under the hedge.' "'We can get quite close up to the barn,' said Corcoran. "'There's no sense in not doing a thing stalkily while you're about it.' They wriggled into the top of an old hollow double hedge, less than thirty yards from the big black-timbered barn, and the square outbuildings their ten minutes' uphill climb had lifted them a couple of hundred feet above the burrows. As the mists parted here and there, they could see the great triangle of sodden green, tipped with yellow sand dunes, and fringed with half a mile of white foam, laid out like a blurred map below. The steady thunder of the surge along the pebble ridge made the background to the wild noises in the lane. "'What did I tell you?' said Corcoran, peering through the dripping stems of quickset which commanded a view of the farmyard three farm chaps getting out dung with pitchforks it's too late to head off to vitre we'd be collared if we showed up besides they've heard em they couldn't help hearing what asses the natives brandishing their weapons talked together using many times the word collager as the tumult swelled they disappeared into various pens and byres. the first of the cattle trotted up to the yard gate and de vitre felicitated his band that's all right he shouted oh won't old vidley be wild open the gate open the gate orrin and whack em through they're pretty warm so will you be in a minute muttered mcturk the raiders hurried into the yard behind the cattle they heard a shout of triumph shrill yells of despair saw one devonian guiding the gate with a pitchfork while the others alas captured all four boys of all the infernal idiotic lower second asses, said Corcoran. They haven't even taken off their house caps. Ay, you young rascals! We've got ee! What are we doing to Master Vidley's bullocks? a man cried. Oh, eh, we found them, said the vitre, who bore himself well in defeat. Would you like em? Found un! They bullocks drove like that, all heaving and pinking and, and hotted. Oh, tis shameful. You nigh killed kill the cows, let alone stealin em. They sends poor boys to jail for half of this. That's a lie said Beetle to McTurk, lying in the wet grass. I know, but they always said. Remember when they collared us at the monkey farm that Sunday with the apples in your topper? My aunt, they're going to lock em up and send for vidley. Cochrane whispered as one of the captors hurried downhill in the direction of Appledore and the prisoners were led into the barn. But they haven't taken their names and numbers, said Storky, who had fallen into the hands of the enemy more than once. But they're bottled tight o oh? rather sickly for De Vitry, said Beetle. It's one lickin' anyhow, even if Vidley don't hammer him. The head's pretty wild about gate liftin' and poaching, and that sort of thing. He won't care for cattle-stealing much." Well, "'It's awfully bad for cows, too—to run em about in milk,' said McTurk, lifting one knee from a sodden primrose tuft. "'What's the next move, Corky?' "'Let's get into the old cart-shed, where we smoked last Tuesday. It's next to the barn. We can cut across while they're inside, and get in through the window.' Suppose we're collared,' said Beetle." cramming his red and black house-cap into his pocket. One does not attack under house-colours. That's just it. They'd never dream of any more chaps walking bung into the trap. Besides, we can get through the roof if they spot us. Keep your eye on Uncle. Come on!" A swift dash carried them to a huge clump of nettles, beneath the unglazed back window of the cart-shed. Its open front, of course, gave on to the barnyard. They scrambled through dropped among the carts, and climbed up to a rudely boarded upper floor, that they had discovered a week ago when in search of retirement. It covered half of the building, and ended in darkness at the barn wall. The roof tiles were broken and displaced. Through the chinks they commanded a clear view of the yard, half filled with disconsolate cattle, steaming sadly in the rain. "'You see,' said Corcoran, ever careful to secure an open line of retreat, if they bottle us up in here, We'll squeeze out between these rafters, slide down the roof, and bunk." They couldn't even get out through the window. They'd have to run right round the barn. Now are you satisfied, you burbler? Huh! You only said that to make quite sure yourself," Beetle retorted. If the boards went all loose I swear I'd kick you," growled Corcoran. What's the sense of getting into a place if you can't get out of it? Shut up and listen." A confused murmur of voices reached them from the end of the attic mcturk tiptoed thither with caution oi it leads through at least you can get through come along he fingered the boarded wall what's the other side said corcoran cautious hey you idiot they heard his boot-heels grating on wood and he was gone at some time or other sheep must have been folded in the cart-shed and an inventive farmhand sooner than take the hay round had displaced a board in the barn side and thrust fodder through. It was in no sense a lawful path, but twelve inches square is all that any boy needs. Look! said Beetle, as they waited McTurk's return. The beastly cattle are coming in out of the wet. A brown, hairy back showed some three feet below the half-floor, as one by one the cattle shouldered in for shelter among the carts, filling the shed with their sweet breath. That block's our way out! unless we get out by the roof and that's rather too much of a drop unless we have to said corcoran they're all bung in front of the window what a day we're having corcoran beetle mcturk's whisper shook with delight can you see em i've seen em they're in a blue funk in the barn and the two clods are making fun of em horrid Orrin's trying to bribe em and parsons nearly blubbin. "'Come and look! I'm in the hayloft. "'Get through the hole! Don't make a row, Beetle!' Lithely, they wriggled between the displaced boards into the hay, and crawled to the edge of the loft. Three years of skirmishing against a hard and unsympathetic peasantry had taught them the elements of strategy. For tactics they looked to Cochrane. but even Beetle, notoriously absent-minded, held a lock of hay before his head as they crept forward. There was no haste, no betraying giggle, no squeak of excitement. They had learned by stripes the unwisdom of these things. But the conference, by a root-cutter on the barn floor, was deep in its own affairs. De Vitre's party, promising, entreating, and cajoling, while the natives laughed. "'Wait till Muster Vidley and Muster Towie—yes, and the policeman come,' was the only answer. "'Tis about time to go milkin'—what'll us do, Abram?" "'You go to milk, Tom, and I'll stay along o' the young gentleman,' said the bigger of the two captors. "'Mr. Towie, he's like to charge you for usin' his yard so free.' "'Is fie! You'll be what proper?' "'Reckon you'll be askin' for junkets to set, in this week or Sunday's to come.' "'But, Mr. Vidley—' He'll give ye the best latherin of all. Impassionful, passionful, I tell ye. Tom stumped out to milk. The barn doors closed behind him, and in the fading light a great gloom fell on all but Abraham, who discoursed eloquently on Mr. Vidley, his temper and attributes. Corcoran turned in the hay, and retreated to the attic followed by his army. No good, was his verdict. I'm afraid it's all up with them. We'd better get out. "'Yes, but look at these beastly cows,' said McTurk, spitting onto a heifer's back. "'It'll take us a week to shove em away from the window, and that brute Tom'll hear us. "'He's just across the yard "Do we come then,' said Corcoran. "'Hang it! I'm sorry to have to go, though. "'If we could get that other beast out of the barn for a minute, we might make a rescue.' "'Well, it's no good.' He drew forth a long, lean, well-worn, homemade catapult the tweaker of those days, slipped a buckshot into a supple chamois leather pouch, and pulled to the full stretch of the elastic. The others followed his example. They only wished to get the kettle out of the way, but seeing the back so near, they deemed it their duty each to choose his bird, and let fly with all their strength. But they were not in the least prepared for what followed. Three bullocks, smitten as they believed by Io's gadfly, trying to wheel amid six close-pressed companions, not to mention three calves, several carts, and all the lumber of a general utility shed, cannot turn end for end without confusion. It was lucky for the boys that they stood a little back on the floor, because one horned head, tossed in pain, flung up a loose board at the edge, and it came back down lancewise on amazed backs. Another victim floundered bodily across the shafts of a decrepit gig, smashing these and oversetting the wheels that was more than enough for the nerves of the assembly with wild bellowings and buttings they dashed into the barnyard and began a very fine free fight on the midden the last cow out hooked down an old set of harness which flipped over one eye and trailed behind her when a companion trod on it which happened every few seconds she naturally fell to her knees and being a burrows cow with the interests of her calf at heart attacked the first passer-by Half but wholly delighted the boys watched the outburst it was in full flower before they even dreamed of a second shot tom came out of the byre with a pitchfork to be chased in again by the harness-cow a bullock floundered on the muck-heap fell rose and bedded himself to the belly helpless astare and bellowing the others took great interest in him corcoran through the roof scientifically tweaked a frisky heifer on the nose and it is no exaggeration to say that she danced on her hind legs for half a minute abram oh abram they'm bewitched they'm raging tis the milk fever they'll be drove mad oh abram they'll horn the bullocks they'll horn me abram boy till i lock the door quoth abram faithful to his trust they heard him padlock the barn door. Saw him come out with yet another pitchfork. A bullock lowered his head. Abraham ran to the nearest pig pen, where unearthly squeakings told that he had disturbed the peace of a large family. Beetle, snapped Corcoran, go in and get him up here, quick. We'll keep the cows happy. A people sitting in darkness and the shadow of a monumental licking, too depressed to be angry with De Vitry, heard a voice from on high saying, Come up here. Come on come on come up there's a way out they shinned up the loft stanchions without a word found a boot-heel which they were bidden to take for guide and squeezed desperately through a hole in darkness to be hauled out by cochrane you got your caps did you give em your names and numbers said he yes no that's all right drop down here don't stop to jaw over the cart through that window and bunk get out De Vitry needed no second word. They heard him squeak, as he dropped among the nettles, and through the roof-chinks they watched four slight figures disappear into the rain. Tom and Abraham, from Byre and Pigpen, exhorted the cattle to keep quiet. "'By gum!' said Beetle. "'That was, stalky. How did you think of it?' "'You ass! It was the only thing to do!' "'Anybody could have seen that!' "'Hadn't we better bunk too?" said McTurk uneasily. "'Why, we'll be all right.' We haven't done anything, have we? I want to hear what old Vidley Hat will say. Stop tweaking, Turkey. let em cool off. Golly, how that heifer danced! I swear I didn't know cows could be so lively. We are only just in time. Boy, Hat, here's Vidley and Tooie, said Beetle, as two farmers, both with sticks, strode into the yard. Gloats o' oh, gloats, fids o' oh, fids, hefty fids and gloats to us," said Corcoran. These words in their vocabulary expressed the extreme of delight. Gloats implies more or less of personal triumph. Vids is felicity in the abstract. And the boys were tasting both that day. Last joy of all, they had the pleasure of Mr. Vidley's acquaintance, albeit he did not love them. Tooey was more of a stranger, his orchards lying over near the public road. Tom and Abraham together told a tale of stolen cattle maddened by overdriving, of cows sure to die in carving and of milk that would never return." That made Mr. Vidley swear for three consecutive minutes, in the soft speech of North Devon. "'Tis too bad, tis too bad," said Toohey, consolingly. "'Let's hope they haven't took no great harm. They be wonderful wild, though." "'Tis all well for you, Toohey, that sells them dumb colleges seventy-quarter a week." Eighty, Tooie replied with the meek triumph of one who has underbidden his neighbour on tender. But that's no odds to me. You'm free to lather em same as if they was your own sons. On my barn floor shall he lather em "'Generous old pig,' said Beetle. "'Devitre ought to have stayed for this.' "'They'm all safe and to rights,' said the officious Abraham, producing the key. "'Reckon us'll come in and hold them for you.' Hey! "'The cow's a fair ragin' still. us left to run for it.' The barn being next to the shed, the boys could not see that stately entry, but they heard, "'Gone and hid it up in the hay. "'Oye, they ain't proper afraid.' "'Routin' out! "'Routin' out!' thundered Vidley, rattling a stick impatiently on the root-cutter. "'Oh, my aunt!' said McTurk, standing on one foot. "'Shut the door! "'Shut the door! "'I tell ee!' "'Reckon us can find'n in the dark. "'Us don't want'n boltin' like rabbits is under our elbows.' The big barn-door closed with a clang. "'My hat!' said Corcoran, which was always his oath in time of action. He dropped down, and was gone for perhaps ten seconds. "'And that's all right,' he said, returning at a gentle pace. "'What?' McTurk almost shrieked, for Cochrane in the shed below, waved a large key. "'Storks! Fabjus Storks! Storks! Fabjus Storks! Bottled em all for was the reply, and Beetle fell on his bosom. "'Yes, them's so's to say, like locked up.' "'If you're going to laugh, Beetle, I shall have to kick you.' "'But I must!' Beetle was purple with suppressed mirth. "'You won't do it here, then?' He thrust the already limp Beetle through the catch window. It sobered him, for one cannot laugh in a bed of nettles. Then Stalky stepped on his prostrate carcass, and McTurk followed, just as Beetle would have risen. So he was upset, and the nettles painted his cheek with the likeness of hideous eruptions. "'Thought that'd cure you,' said Corcoran, with a sniff." Beetle rubbed his face desperately with dock-leaves, and said nothing. All desire to laugh had gone from him. They entered the lane. A clamour broke out from the barn, a compound noise of horse-like kicks, shaking-door panels, and five-fold yells. They've found it out," said Corcoran. How strange! He sniffed again. Let em, said Beetle. No one can hear em. Come on up to Col. What a brute you are, Beetle! You only think of your beastly self. Those cows will milk him, poor dears. Hear em low," said McTurk. Go back and milk em yourself, then, said Beetle, dancing with pain we shall miss call over hanging about like this and i've two black marks this week already then you'll have fatigue drill on monday sure pop said Storky. come to think of it i've got two black marks o so see hmm, this is serious this is hefty serious i told you said beetle with vindictive triumph and we want to go out after that ox-nest on monday we shall be swattin' dumbbells though all your fault if we'd bunk with De Vitry at first Storky, Paused between the hedgerows. Hold on a shake and don't burble. Do you know? I believe someone's shut up in that barn. I think we ought to go and see. Don't be a giddy idiot. Come on back to Col. But Corcoran took no notice of Beetle. He retraced his steps to the head of the lane and lifting his voice, cried as in bewilderment Hello, who's there? What's that row about? Who are you? Oh, Peter said Beetle, and forgot his pain in this new and jestful development. Oi! Oi! Mm, let us out! The answers came muffled and hollow from the black bulk of the barn, with renewed thunders on the door. Now, play up, said Corcoran. Turkey, you keep the cows merry. We've just discovered them. We don't know anything, remember? Keep your eye on your uncle. They picked their way over the muck, and held speech through the crack by the hinge. Three more genuinely surprised boys the North Devon Rain never fell upon. And they were so polite, so polite and so difficult to enlighten. They had to be told again and again. We've been here for hours and hours. That was Toohey. And the cows to milk and all that was Vidley. The door she blewed against us and jammed herself. That was Abraham. I- "'Yes, we can see that. It's quite jammed, this side,' said Storky. "'How careless you farmers are! Open openin open Bash her open, with a rock, young gentleman! "'The cows are milk-heated, and ragin! Haven't you boys no sense?' Seeing that McTurk from time to time, tweaked the wretched cattle into renewed bellowings and caperings, it was quite possible that the boys had some knowledge of a sort. But Mr. Vidley was rude. They told him so through the door, professing only now to recognise his voice. "'Humor on if he can. I paid seven and six for the Don Padlock,' said Toohey. "'You remind him. "'Tis only old Vidley. "'Be you going to stay a prisoner and captive for the sake of a lock, Toohey?' "'I'm shamed of he. and open, young gentleman.' 'Was a God's own mercy you were at us. "'Tuy, you my bond miser.' "'It'll be a long job,' said Cochran. "'Look here, it's near our call-over. "'If we stay to help you, we'll miss it. "'We've come miles out of our way already after you.' "'Tell your master, then, what keeps he. "'An errand of mercy, like.' "'I'll tell him, too, when we bring the milk tomorrow," said Tuy. "'That's no good,' said Corcoran. "'We may be cane twice over by then. "'You'll have to give us a letter.' "'McTurk, backed against the barn wall, "'was firing steadily and accurately into the cattle. "'Yes, yes, come down to my house. "'My missus'll write ye a beauty, young gentleman. "'She makes the bills. "'I'll give ye such a letter of recommendation "'as I'd give my own son, "'if only you can humour the d- d- dumb lock.' "'Never mind the lock.' Bidley wailed, "'Let me get my poor domed cows, for they am dead!' They went to work with ostentatious rattlings and wrenchings, and a good deal of the by-play that Corcoran always loved. At last the noise of unlocking was covered by some fancy hammering with a young boulder. The door swung open, and the captives marched out. "'Hurry up, Mr. Toohey,' said Corcoran. We ought to be getting back. Will you give us that note, please? Some of you collegers was driving my cattle off the burrowses, said Vidley. I give you fair warning. I'll tell your you masters. I know you! He glared at Corcoran. McTurk looked him over from head to heel with a slow stare. Oh, it's only old Vidley, drunk again, I suppose. Well, we can't help that. Come on, Mr. Toohey. We'll go to your house. Drunk, am I? I'll drink ye How do I know yo baint same lot? Abram Did ye take their names and numbers? What is he raving about? said Beetle. My good fool can't you see that if we'd taken your beastly cattle we shouldn't be hanging around your beastly barns? Pun my Sam, you governors haven't any sense. Let alone gratitude said Corcoran. "'I suppose he WAS drunk, Mr. Toohey, and you locked him in the barn to get sober Shocking! oh, shocking!" Ridley denied the charge, in language that the boy's mothers would have wept to hear. "'Well, go and look after your cows, then,' said McTurk. "'Don't stand here cursin' us, because we've been kind enough to help you out of a scrape.' "'Why on earth—' "'Weren't your cows milked before? You're no farmer. It's long past milking. No wonder they're half crazy. Disreputable old bog-trotter you are. Brush your hair, sir. Beg your pardon, Mr. Toohey. I hope we're not keeping you. They left Fiddley, dancing on the muck-heap amid the cows, and devoted themselves to propitiating Mr. Toohey on their way to his house. Exercise had made them hungry, and hunger is the mother of good manners. They won golden opinions from Mrs. Toohey. Three quarters of an hour late for call-over, and fifteen minutes late for lock-up,' said Foxy the school sergeant crisply. He was waiting for them at the head of the corridor. "'Report to your housemaster, pleased. And a nice mess you're in, young gentleman.' "'Quite right, Foxybus. Strict attention to duty, does it?' said Corcoran. "'Now, where, if we asked you, would you say that his honour, Mr. Prout, might, at this moment of time, be found prouting?' "'Any study as usual, Mr. Corcoran.' "'He took call-over.' "'Did he? Hurrah!' Lux with us. Don't blub, Foxy. I am afraid you won't catch us this time. We went up to change, sir, before coming to you. That made us a little late, sir. We weren't really very late. We were detained by a— An errand of mercy, said Beetle, and they laid Mrs. Toohey's laboriously written note before him. We thought you'd prefer a letter, sir. He got himself locked into a barn, and we heard him shouting. Toohey, who brings the coal milk, sir? and we went to let him out. "'There were ever so many cows waiting to be milked,' said MacTurk. "'And, of course, he couldn't get at him, sir. They said the door had jammed. There's the note, sir.' Mr. Prout read it over twice. It was perfectly unimpeachable, only it said nothing but the large tea supplied by Mrs. Toohey. "'Well, I don't like your getting mixed up with farmers and pot-polypers. Of course, will not have any more to do with the Tuies. "'Of course not, sir.' "'It was really on account of the cows, sir,' said McTurk, glowing with philanthropy. "'And you came straight back?' "'We ran nearly all the way from the cattle-gate,' said Corcoran, carefully developing the unessential. "'That's a mile, sir. Of course. We had to get the note from Toohey first, "'But it was because we went to change we were rather wet, sir. "'that we were really late. "'After we'd reported ourselves to the sergeant, sir, "'and he knew we were in coal. "'We didn't like to come to your study, old dirty. "'Sweeter than honey in the comb,' was the voice of Beetle. "'Very good. Don't let it happen again.' The housemaster learned to know them better in later years. They entered, not to say swaggered, into a form-room, where De Vitre, Orrin, Parsons, and Howlett, before the fire, were still telling their adventures to admiring associates. They rose as one boy. "'What happened to you? We just saved Callover. Did you stay on? Tell us.' The three smiled pensively. They were not distinguished for telling more than was necessary. "'Oh, we stayed on a bit, and then we came away,' said McTurk. "'That's all.' "'You scab! You might tell a chap. Anyhow!' "'Think so.' Well, that's awfully good of you, de Vitre, Pon my sainted Sam, that's awfully good of you, said Corcoran, shouldering into the centre of the warmth and toasting one slippered foot before the blaze. So you really think we might tell you? They stared at the coals and shook with deep, delicious chuckles. My hat, we were stalky, said McTurk. I swear we were about as stalky as they make em, weren't we? It was a fabulous stock,' said Beetle. "'Much too good to tell you brutes, though.' The form wriggled under the insult, but made no motion to avenge it. "'After all,' on de Vitray's showing, the three had saved the raiders from a public licking. "'It wasn't half bad,' said Cochrane. "'Stalky is the word.' "'You were the really stalky one,' said McTurk, One contemptuous shoulder turned to the listening world. "'By gum, you were a stalky!' Corcoran accepted the compliment, and the name together. "'Yes,' said he. "'Keep your eye on your Uncle Storky, and he'll pull you through.' "'Well, you needn't gloat so,' said De Vitre viciously. "'You look like a stuffed cat.' Corcoran, henceforth to be known as Storky, took not the faintest notice, but smiled dreamily. "'My hat! Yes, of course,' he murmured. "'Your Uncle Storky, a deuced good name!' Your uncle Stalky is no end of a stalker. He's a great man, I swear he is. Devitre, you're an ass, a putrid ass. Devitre would have denied this, but for assenting murmurs from Parsons and Orin. You needn't rub it in, then uh, But I do, I does. You're such a whopping ass. Do you know it? Think over it a bit at prep. Think it up in bed just oblige me by thinking of it every half-hour till further notice. Gummy, what an ass you are! But your Uncle Storky—he picked up the form poker, and drove it thoughtfully against the mantelpiece—is a great man. "'Hear, hear!' said Beetle McTurk, who had fought under that general. "'Isn't your Uncle Storky a great man, De Vitre? Speak the truth, you fat-headed old imposter!' "'Yes,' said De Vitre, deserted by his band. I—I I suppose he is. Mustn't suppose. Don't guess. Well, he is—a great man, a great man. Now, won't you tell us?" said De Vitré pleadingly. "Not by a heap," said Storky Corcoran. Therefore, the tale has stayed untold, until today. Editor's note. This is the first of a series of stories that mr Kipling has written about Storky, Beetle, McTurk, and their associates. The second, entitled An Unsavoury Interlude, will appear in the January number. End of chapter one recording by Tim Bulkeley of big bible